Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet thought leader and entrepreneur Marie Forleo, communication strategist Lee Hartley Carter, and comedic improv actress and audiobook narrator Georgina Marie. Whether it's figuring out what stands between you and your dreams, crafting a persuasive message, or actualizing your artistic talents, each of these authors offers compelling insights and problem-solving tools that you can apply to both your personal and professional life. Find out what it was like for them to record their work. Plus, hear why for one of these authors, reading the SmackDown portion of her audiobook was especially fun. Enjoy. Hi, this is Marie Forleo, author of Everything is Figureoutable. So what inspired this book is a simple idea that I learned from my mom as a little girl growing up in New Jersey. I would watch my mom, who was no more than high school educated. This was the 80s. This was pre-internet, pre-YouTube, pre-Google world. I would just see this incredibly tenacious woman figure things out. I would see her fixing things around the house. I would see her approaching problems that she had no context for how to create a solution for, and she would dive in and do it. And through her demonstration, through her encouragement, and even through her words, she taught me that everything was figureoutable. And looking back, I realize it is the single most powerful idea I have ever come across in my life. It has been the fuel that has allowed me to solve every problem I have ever faced and reach every dream I could find in my heart. The more I've shared this idea with people, the more transformative I see it's become. I actually said to a friend of mine who uh, I ran into in a restaurant, he said, why are you writing a book? You're so busy with the rest of the business. Everything is going so well. This is such a big commitment. I said, this is the one idea that if, God forbid, I got hit by a bus, it's the notion I'd want to leave behind. This is the idea I feel like that if I could share it with the world in a bigger way, it could help everyone. It could help people reach their dreams, solve their problems, and collectively, it could help us create the world that we all dream of. So that's why I wrote it. That's what inspired the book, and I truly hope you enjoy it. If I had to describe my experience recording this audiobook in one word, it would be this. Fun. The reason why? I absolutely love this. All of the hard work was in actually getting the words on the page, and the experience of sitting here in this booth with headphones on, getting to bring the words to life, to know that you're going to listen to it, to have the idea that you and I are connected, and possibly these stories and these examples and these concepts and tools can help you create real change in your life. It's just so damn exciting. And I will say this, the team at Portfolio and Penguin Random House is is just awesome, so they made it really fun and really easy. Oh my goodness, there were so many words and phrases that I had trouble pronouncing. My incredible director, Brent, would help me, especially when my brain was having those brain fart moments and my brain and my mouth were not lining up (laughs) to get things right. Especially when you're doing this for hours upon hours a day, you kind of hit a moment where nothing seems to sync up and you need a little assist. So yeah, there were many times where we had to pause 
and I had to restate something or ask for a little help because, hey, everything's figureoutable, but hey, I don't have everything figured out in this brain at one time. I think the part of the performance that made me most excited was a little bit of a church throwdown moment. It was around when we're talking about the shit-talking voice in our head that tries to hold us back, the one that tells us we're not ready yet, we're not good enough. And so there's a whole section of the book that kind of digs into a little bit of a smackdown for all of us. That was one of the most fun bits to record. I'm going to be a little bit of a troublemaker here because I actually thought about this on a break. I can't imagine anyone else reading my book but me. I was thinking about them reading all through the text and then noticing the weird places where I kind of cuss and the, you know, different ways that I insert a little bit of flavor. And I could just imagine them going, wait, this all doesn't make sense. So honestly, even though it sounds a little sassy, I wouldn't want anyone else reading this but me. Hi, my name is Lee Hartley Carter, author of Persuasion, convincing others when facts no longer seem to matter. I think in my bio, I've been talking about writing a book for about 10 years. <laughs> and it was in 2015 when I was following the presidential election. There were 17 Republicans that were fighting for office, and Donald Trump was sort of the one that everybody was watching, but no one took seriously. Well, I thought he was crazy, frankly. Like, I was like, there's no chance that this guy is going to get in. And then the more that I tested and the more that I heard how voters reacting to him and the more that I heard from his base, I was like, he is really onto something. He was doing for his base what we teach our clients to do a lot of the time. So I started giving a talk to a lot of my clients, and it was called The Five Lessons We Can Learn About Communicating from Trump. It's talked a lot about You need to have a singular message, like make America great again. It talked about visual language, like don't just say you're getting tough on immigration, you're going to build a wall. It talked about how your message needs to be repeatable and memorable. And we asked questions like, do you know what Hillary Clinton's tagline is? Do you know what Marco Rubio's is? I mean, if you think about this point in time, June 15th of 2015, there was an article in the Washington Post that said the top five reasons why Jeb Bush is going to be the next president of the United States. Do any of us have any idea what Jeb Bush's message was? And in doing this presentation for my clients, there was a lot of interest, and it simplified some things that are really complicated, right? How do you persuade people of something? Well, you have a master narrative. You have stories. You have symbols. You have all of these things. And so I wanted to combine that with all of the knowledge that I had on how to help clients in these situations and start writing a book. But as I started writing the book, I realized that this wasn't just a book that could help my clients rebuild reputation or sell more product, which it can, absolutely. But I realized that we were in a crisis in our country of empathy, that no one was having conversations with each other, and that if you apply these very same principles in your personal life, whether it's preparing to go to Thanksgiving when you have relatives who totally disagree with you or trying to get people to care about the environment again, those kinds of things, you can use the same principles. So I wanted the book to be more than just a corporate book. I wanted it to be something that you could use absolutely for the corporate world, but I wanted people to be able to take something away that would make conversations happen when you disagree with someone better and more productive. Narrating my own audiobook was harder than I expected it to be. I talk a lot 
for a living, whether it's presenting to my clients or doing focus groups or being on TV. So I didn't expect talking to be hard for me, but you're reading, and that's hard. The words that are hard to pronounce are surprising. I didn't expect to have such a hard time with E. coli, for example, or some other words that really make you stumble. I also realized how many words I have in the book that begin with the letter P. <laughs> Persuasion, proof point, you know, proof point became a really hard one to pronounce, so that was hard. It's also really interesting to see how different it is when you write something than when you say it out loud. And even though when I'm editing, I tend to read things out loud, you don't really read them out loud. It's like a sort of reading out loud that you do. So I think that it is a very different experience, and I wish I could go back and change a couple things, but maybe in another edition or in another book, I'll know more. The distance between when you write the book and when you're doing this, it's a long time. We're almost a year out from when I handed the original copy in, so there are things that you get excited all over again about. I am very excited about some of the stories and how they bring things to life. I'm particularly excited about how people can learn empathy, and I hope that everybody takes a little something away from that chapter that they can apply to their life and make things a little bit better, whether that's just having better conversations with people they disagree with spending more time understanding people that they don't. I think that the story about the project we did for the Muslim Americans is really hard to read still. I'm incredibly proud of my team that worked on that project because I know they had to dig deep and it was really, really hard. And I'm so glad that that story can be instructive to more people because I think when we look at having conversations with people we disagree with, will often think that things are hopeless, that there's no way that you're going to be able to have change, that things will never get better. And when you look at the environment that we're living in politically right now, it's really easy to get discouraged and think there's no way that things are ever going to get better. But when I think back on that story and when I reread that story, to me, it gives me hope because, you know, that was a situation we never thought we'd be able to get through, and we did make improvements. And so I hope everybody takes that story and is inspired a little bit to know that if there's something that's really important to you and you think that change can't happen, it can. It's just is going to take some discipline and some emotional suppression to get through it. <laughs> and uh, you can make a difference. Brene Brown, without question, would be my dream narrator. I quote her twice in the book. I could probably quote her 20 times in the book. Listening to her audiobooks, which I do, is inspiring. I find her to be incredibly soothing and enthusiastic and knowledgeable, and I always want to listen more, and I'm always disappointed when they're over. So for that reason, her. My favorite recent book that I've read is Dare to Lead, which is by Brene Brown, and it's narrated by Brene Brown. That book was really meaningful for me. There's a lot of talk in my book about authenticity and vulnerability, and in it she talks a lot about vulnerability as an asset in leadership. And I've always believed that. She takes it, makes it actionable, scientific, and I think that it's just as something anyone who is in a leadership position should listen to. I happen to love audiobooks. I didn't used to because I didn't think I had the attention span for them. But when I moved out of Manhattan and started commuting, where I had about a half-hour train ride every day, audiobooks became my friends, and they made my commute time so much more productive and pleasant because I was able to sort of navigate through the subway and changing into my train without feeling all the chaos, but I was transported to these other places and I was learning along the way. 
The funny thing I found about audiobooks, though, is if I really like the audiobook, I still buy the book. I hope people do that with mine. <laughs> Hi, this is Georgina Marie, author of Improv for Writers, 10 Secrets to Help Novelists and Screenwriters Bypass Writer's Block and Generate Infinite Ideas. I was inspired to write this book by a lot of friends who are writers who struggled with ideas and getting their ideas down. This includes some actor friends of mine, too, who they're told in this sort of time that they should be creating their own shows and writing projects for themselves, but they didn't know where to get started or how to get started. And I just thought, you know, with the background in improv, it seems like kind of the place where there's a deep, deep well for ideas to come from. And then also I was at Comic-Con and the Scriptwriters Network, the woman who runs that, asked me if I taught and if I had any workshops I wanted to pitch. And the idea actually... <laughs> truthfully was improvised on the spot. I thought, well, I've only really taught improv and acting. I've taught some comedy writing and some workshops here and there, but my real background is in improv and teaching that. And I thought, well, if you have writers, I could probably teach them how to do improv without having to like get on their feet. And then I did a workshop and it all kind of happened and rolled out from there. It was really spontaneous. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be joyful because I'm working with people that I love, not just at this particular audiobook publishing company, but my director, Olivia, and my editor, Kitch, and my producer, Karen. I don't know why I'm saying their names like they're gremlins. Maybe they kind of are. That's why I love them. They're like the good gremlins. The gremlins before they were fed at midnight. Yeah, it's just been really, really joyful. I realized I had trouble pronouncing, <laughs> so embarrassing, some of the names that are in the book. I was like, I guess I have read that name more than I've said it. And then there's another word, because I narrate a lot, that I'm not even going to pronounce right now, but maybe you'll know what it is. Lapis lazuli. Lapis lazuli. And also turquoise is hard to say when you're looking at it because it looks like turquoise. So I just figured out how to say it and then I look away because then my brain cannot get in the way. I'm proud that this book is in an audiobook format because when I wrote it, I, I wasn't sure if that would happen because of the nature of the book. And I'm so excited that there's another way to play these games. And I'm hoping that it's going to be fun. Having worked in audiobooks for so many years, I really appreciate when books are in audio format because I listen to them a lot and I'm really honored. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast Emily Dickinson. The last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was the book Brave, Not Perfect. This had a really big impact, and I've been telling everybody that will listen to me about it because I, I learned a lot about sort of the way we're taught, especially young girls, and the way we kind of, I don't know, the way we're raised to be 
perfect and how boys are told to be brave. And it's just very interesting. And sometimes books come in your path at the perfect time in your life. And I was really ready to hear a lot of that information and fascinated by it. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is easy. That's the 405, the 134, the 2, the 10. I mean, I'm in California, so I'm basically a Californian on the sketch for SNL. So yeah, my favorite place to listen to audiobooks is the 101, the 10, the 2, the 405. The 170. I always forget because the 170 goes into the 101 and that's how you get to downtown or Hollywood and I do that all the time and I listen to audiobooks all the time. Okay, anyway, that's it. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind-the-mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash Next, listen.